welcome to the discussion for me with your hosts, Brandy and Christian. If you're looking for a podcast where sisterhood is embodied, you are home. Listen, each week we will open the floor and have raw conversations about relevant and unaddressed topics plaguing our communities. You ready, B? Yes, let's get it. Welcome back to our health series. We've been bringing some heavy hitters to this discussion, so I hope you are taking notes and sharing with your tribe. Today we have Dr. Stacy Tyler, who is a licensed clinical psychologist in the Commonwealth of Virginia and state of Maryland. Her educational experiences include a bachelor's degree in psychology from Xavier University of Louisiana, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Argosy University, and a doctor's degree in clinical psychology from the California School of Professional Psychology. She completed her pre-doctoral internship at the William Beaumont Army Medical Center at Fort Bliss and her postdoctoral fellowship in the inpatient units at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and Fort Belvoir Community Hospital. Dr. Tyler concentrated her doctorate in clinical psychology in multicultural and community clinical psychology. This allowed her to develop proficiency in matters of psychological and community distress, as well as enhancing the psychological well-being of historically underserved, stigmatized, and oppressed groups, including military populations and black and brown communities. As a result, Dr. Tyler's therapeutic style is direct but empathetic, inclusive, professional, and collaborative. She fosters a strength-based and collaborative treatment setting where cultural differences are respected and treatment is tailored to fit each individual. Dr. Tyler specializes in the evidence-based treatment for trauma, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, suicide-related disorders, and cultural different issues. She approaches therapy from a cognitive behavioral perspective and has over 15 years of clinical experience implementing cognitive behavior therapy interventions. She has concentrated training in cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia, and perinatal mental health. She has a host of experience teaching college, inpatient units, outpatient practices, and federal government. She is a United States diplomat in the Foreign Service and owner and operator of Prosperity Behavioral Healthcare. Sis been booked and busy, okay? Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and have this conversation with us. I know your time is money, so let's jump right into it. We want to start with a question, just what has been your experience with the issues facing pregnancy and postpartum issues dealing with the African-American community? Um, So I, I would say the biggest thing is just 
the uh, probably the expectation that everything is going to go well. You know, you have a baby or let's start from even before that. You get pregnant, you have a baby, you go home, you raise baby and all is well. There's going to be no issues simply because we don't talk about um, the issues that can come along with um, pregnancy, you know, like even something as simple as fear, um, the anxiety of becoming a parent. Um, and some people become parents in different ways. So, you know, some people are married and they have a two parent household. Some people choose to do, you know, like the um, single parent by choice. So IVF or IUI procedures, things like that. Um, and the support that is given varies, right? So if you have parents who are able to come where you are and spend weeks or months um, with you, um, once you bring baby home to get used to everything and like acclimated to this new life and just the anxiety of having a whole human who now depends on your every move, right? Mm -hmm. Or their every move depends on you. Um, and also with the like, financial resources. Um, I don't have a child, but I know that children are expensive and right, you want right. to give them the best and, you know, things like that. So it changes or alters your financial uh, status in the household. I don't care how much money you have. It's never going to be enough. Um, also, it, it changes like the simple things in your life, like your work schedule. No longer can you work overtime just because, you know, something is going on because you have a whole human age. You have to go home and take care of um, the fear of taking a baby to um, a daycare center versus leaving them with your parents or in-laws or, you know, sister or whomever. Um, and so I think we don't talk enough about these things and when stuff doesn't go as expected it um you don't even know to go talk to or tell somebody that you know I don't feel so well or I'm not connecting with this baby or I know everybody is saying that I'm supposed to be happy and love it and everything but I miss my old life I miss being able to get up and go and you know eat ice cream for dinner because who cares right right um, and so, you know, then it's also taboo to be like, uh, this whole motherhood thing isn't what I expected or, you know, fatherhood isn't what I expected or even the changes that a baby brings into a relationship. Um, I know growing up, I heard my grandma, you know, say things like, if you want to run a man away, have a baby for him. Um, because <laughs> it changes the, the relationship, like, it used to just be me and you. Now it's me, you plus one. And we both were raised different. We were both, um, you know, taught differently, had different expectations. And if we didn't talk about these things prior to going into this, now where do we want this baby educated? What religion do we want this baby to be? You know, um, the top three things that lead to divorce, having children because of finances and religion. Like yeah. those are the things that, that um, ruin or mess up, we should say, um, relationships and stuff like that. So it's all the untalked about things. And the, you know, most people are, have heard of postpartum depression, but nobody like goes to their friend who just had a baby and, you know, says like, no, tell me really, how do you feel? You know, mm -hmm. because we don't want to be judged, right? I don't want to say like, I don't like it. I don't want to say that, 
this isn't what it, you know, cracked up to be or what I expected. Um, people don't even know that there's a whole thing called postpartum psychosis. And this is where we see mothers who um, in their lives and, and or their children's lives um, following birth, all these different hormones are happening. And, you know, they start to hear voices, they start to see things, they start to believe that they need to end this baby's life for, you know, whatever reason. And, you know, so then we see the the suicide and um, infant side where the mother, you know, terminates the child's life and um, things like that. These things could be prevented with conversation, um, with knowing, you know, with being aware. Um, couple of documentaries, I can't think of the name of it right now, but I can get it to you guys later. There's a whole documentary on a, a girl who, um, killed herself and her children um and had called her mother right before and was just like saying like I can't do this I can't take this and then next thing they know like her and all the kids in the house are deceased and her husband was saying like had I known that this was a possibility that this was a thing um I could have interfered I could have you know talked to her went and got her help and stuff like that and so um all that to say you know, knowledge is power, right? Being mm -hmm. able to know what you are facing and know what you could be facing. Um, and having that uh, relationship or that support system where you can say that, you know, I'm not doing well. And, you know, somebody needs to come get this baby, take me somewhere, you know, or whatever. So I think those are the the big things like, but then, you know, on top, of course, you know, poor um, provider relationships with, um, our healthcare mm -hmm. system, um, where we know that black and brown bodies are not respected, treated, or um, cared for in the same way that our white counterparts are. Mm -hmm. um, also, the act, the lack of access to care, or the lack of access to um, things called like a nighttime doula. Have, have either of you ever heard of a nighttime doula? I am a doula, so yes. Oh, okay. See. Literally, one of my friends just had a baby in September, and she was telling me about um, a nighttime doula, and not until I did all this perinatal um, training and stuff, and I was like, oh, this, like, changes the game, but that cost, right, and so right. if you're 19 years old having a baby, who's, who's, who's paying for this, you know, right. so yeah. the financial, the financial aspect, and um, the, the aspect of work versus um, versus mom, you know? I tell my clients all the time, never explain to everybody at work why you're taking off early. If we look at our white male counterparts, you never know why Bill isn't coming in until 10 o'clock. Bill just say, I'll be here at 10. But yeah. females, we tend to say, oh, well, you know, I gotta drop my baby off at daycare and I don't have anyone to pick them up. Yeah. So I tell them all the time, just say, I'll be in, I'll be in late tomorrow <laughs> and leave it as that. Or Period. I got to go home early, leave mm -hmm. it as that. And the people at my job don't know that I leave home to, or I leave work early some days to go pick up my dog from daycare. It's none of their business. <laughs> like, right. you know, but we tend as females, we tend to want to explain things away. Um, and the moment mm -hmm. you start explaining something to somebody, you give them the option to tell them, to tell you yes or no um so, so i actually have a question um 
And I want to make sure that I get it in because I believe it will be helpful for our listeners. So talking about um, explaining and sharing information and being honest and transparent about you know, let's say someone who maybe just gave birth or maybe they're just a new mom, you know, maybe um, it's a it's a new experience for them. Thinking about some of the challenges that I've personally faced when I had my daughter and dealing with um, just some very negative experiences, um, ha- having a child um, pretty much from beginning to end, it was just not a pleasurable experience. Something mm-hmm. that I really want you to kind of shed light on or give insight on is labeling. And for our audience, um, if you listen to our previous episode, um, when we were discussing like maternity and, and pregnancy and things like that, I mentioned briefly my experience when I had my daughter um, of, you know, I went to my little six week checkup and I was just not feeling like myself. You know, I just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And as most women, like you say, you know, I kind of had diarrhea of the mouth and I don't know exactly what I said, but mm-hmm. clearly I said something that, that must have raised some flags because I remember um, it was myself, my mom and my baby. We were in the room and they asked me to step out and I didn't even think anything of it, to be honest. I was like, oh, OK, I'll follow you. You know where you want me to follow you to? And um, they said, oh, follow us. It was, it was a doctor and a nurse. She says, oh, well, follow us down the hall. And me mm-hmm. being young, didn't know no better. My mama was left in a room with the baby. They took me maybe, I don't know, a couple doors down and put me in a different room and said, oh, we'll be right back. Just sit here. Honey, I don't know who they must have called on me. <laughs> <laughs> but baby, I think it hit me like five minutes after being in the room. I'm like, why am I in this room by myself? And why is it dark? And wait a minute, what's going on? You know, and um, shortly thereafter, it was a third person joined. And I, again, I don't remember all the titles of these individuals, but a third person joined um, in the room with me. And they started asking me all these questions. And, you know, the questions became more and more, uh, I would say, intrusive. And then it was like light bulb went off. Oh, they think they think that I'm like 5150. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um pause for the calls. Where's my mama? Pretty much is what I said, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I left, exited the room and went down and got my mom and my mom had to intervene and say like, Hey, what's going on? You know? And they mm-hmm. were like, Oh, we have some concerns. And to this day, I still don't know what I said, but whatever I said, must <laughs> <laughs> baby, I must use the wrong word. Um, <laughs> because they was they was about to lock a sister up okay (laughs) and to be honest it was just me just saying you know how I felt at that particular time you know Mm -hmm. and I just did not feel like myself it just was not a pleasurable experience for me and so I was expressing that um and so from that moment on believe it or not they actually put a flag on my medical record like uh I want to say it says like depressive single episode or something along that line I don't know the exact words but nevertheless um every time I go to the doctor now granted my daughter's 13 Mm -hmm. every time I go to the doctor like that's a flag like I can see it on the screen and so for for our audience which of course you know we're always trying to share information Mm -hmm. I want the women that listen to us to feel comfortable being vulnerable and Mm -hmm. being transparent Um, But also I want to ensure that they are protected. You know, I don't want 
someone's transparency to have a negative result. You know, I don't want their sanity to be questioned. And so I guess for you, my question is, how can we combat the labeling um, that sometimes comes along with sharing information and expressing how you feel? And if there are any keyword triggers, like there are just certain words that are automatically flags for medical professionals that maybe we should be aware of Yeah. Um, when we're having those conversations. Yeah. So one of the big things um, I could tell you what they did was they, they pulled in a psych consult for you, um, probably based on, you know, whatever it was that you said, it, um, it was leaning towards like a postpartum depression thing. Um, the, the thing is, it's more of a CYA for them because if something happened to you and they didn't follow up or they didn't um, bring in this psych consult, they can get sued. And so we always have to remember in the medical world, they're always thinking about their licenses and always thinking about answering questions to lawyers because they are often sued a lot. Um, but um, so it's a medical system and everything comes with a label because that's how medical professionals communicate. Because if you tell me this person is depressed, I automatically know some of the things that we're looking at with this person. Um, however, if you come to me and say, oh, this person is sad and this person doesn't eat and this person, you know, it's those symptoms could come with a whole bunch of different disorders or, um, or diseases. And so now we are, now I have to wonder, you know, what it is you're talking to me about. Because I'm a psychologist, I'm always gonna think that the person is telling me about um, mental health issues. But like, if you're in an ER, they need to know right away. So labels have use there, right? Um, however, like with me, I tend not to focus on a disorder um, with my patients because yes, that disorder informs, other helping professionals um, about what's going on with them. But my focus with the, the patient is how does this issue manifest based on their community, their SES status, their culture, gender, religion, any of those kind of things. And then how do we reduce the maladaptive symptom patterns or thought patterns in order for them to live their best life despite the label? Um, the label means something, but it, it means something in the context of their experience. And this is where um, many medical professionals, they don't take that ex extra step to figure out what it is for their client, um, which is why we see a lot of issues with black and brown bodies in the medical world. Um, and so and this is where I advocate for helping professionals that look like you, like my dentist is black, my therapist is black, my gynecologist is black, like um, other professionals can help me, but I don't want to have to quote unquote shift or explain to my doctors what I mean when I say, you know, my mama just don't listen, or mm -hmm. I'm getting sick and tired of this baby, or, you know, my man got one more time to play with me before I throw hands. Like, right. I don't really have to explain all of that. Um, and, I, and I used a term called shifting. Um, and this is what we see black and brown uh, people do when we are in our communities versus when we're in the other community. And so in the other community, you know, I'm not going to drop my G's. I'm not going to use um, slang. I'm not going to, you know, say, oh, that's my auntie, when reality, that's just like an older Black woman, you know. But in my community, I'm going to talk how I can I'm, or how I feel comfortable. I'm going to say and do things that I feel comfortable with because I'm not worried about how they're looking at me. Um, but 
the the big thing with um, encountering uh, medical professionals is understanding that it's all about the relationship that you build with them. If they don't have a relationship with you, then they're literally looking at a cluster of symptoms and they're going to run with that, that cluster of symptoms. And so um, making sure like you do have like these support systems like built in for yourself. So like having the doula, having um, your, your mother there, things like that to have these conversations and say, you know, this is what I've been feeling. This is what I'm going through. But if you have a doula there, they can then help translate for the medical professional what you're meaning and like, oh, this person is not suicidal, but she lacks support or she lacks this. And we're working with a social worker or we're working with a psychologist to help make this better. So then you don't end up um, like, quote unquote, a slave to their labels. Um, so you, you, you know, bringing that support with you um, and having those supports on the outside for you so that, you know, before I go to this six week checkup, you know, talking to my psychologist, like, doc, what do, how, talk, help me, you know, talk through this process so that, you know, I can give my truth, but not like raise any unnecessary alarms kind of thing. So mm -hmm. just having like supports um, around you because probably what you were saying it probably wasn't all that bad but you know young black female um in here with her mother they're automatically creating a narrative of you right like oh she's probably uneducated she's probably you know this is multiple babies with multiple daddies and you know they create all of these negative narratives about us because that's what media does you know and that's what they consume and so being able to share your truth without, you know, getting unnecessarily, um, not accosted, what word am I looking for? Unnecessarily assessed for <laughs> an issue that you, you know, that you do not have. Right. And I think it speaks to a different topic that we talked about how we, um, in a couple of uh, a, a different series but we talked about how we as a people can be reactive instead of proactive mm -hmm. so the, just the having the conversation and and be like you said having that relationship with either your your provider or even within your community so that they can help assist you along and say girl you need to go get that checked out or you need to go talk to somebody or that sounds you know deeper than what your sister friend can handle wow. and you know encourages versus us waiting um because we don't trust the system right mm -hmm. and we wait around and sometimes it becomes an emergency so I think if we kind of do both things you know what I'm saying like have those conversations yeah. develop those relationships then it kind of allows us a safer um experience right yeah so question another question for you <laughs> <laughs> so as far as suicide I want to get into suicide mm -hmm. I want to I want to talk about especially like recently we've been seeing a lot of functional with like people with functional I guess depression maybe that yeah. is the diagnosis that they're going into or have are committing suicide mm -hmm. and so and I know it's nothing new but I think it's just been making um more headlines 
And so as a black woman, like they always say, check on your strong friends. But for me, that's every last one of them. That's right. <laughs> so for me, it's like, how, how do I properly be or even just what to look for if there is anything to look for? And then how, how can I be a better sister friend like because all the listeners you know I'm sure they have their friends and things like how can we be better support systems for each other and our strong friends <laughs> yeah so this is this is one of those things where it actually is new believe it or not um okay. the military for the longest was actually researching black women to figure out what was inside of us that kept us from killing ourselves because we have um, traditionally the lowest rates of um, suicide um, and you know I used to be on military installations all the time and I used to laugh because they're like what is it that they have and in my head I'm like black girl magic like you right, can't duh. you can't you can't like put this in a petri dish like it's it's either in you or it's not right, right. Um, but um, the 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 big things are that and 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 I and I have to say that we are seeing a rise or an increase in suicide in our adolescent girls, um, not necessarily women, um, and that you know adolescence is a whole host of um, issues that that comes with it. But our our big thing with um, black women or checking on our strong friend is that we tend to. Um, kill ourselves like indirectly right so overworking suppressing our pain things like that um it, it, it's like a double-edged sword that we are so used to being worked to the bone and having to figure out stuff and not really having anybody else to rely on that we don't even know we are traumatized or in trouble and therefore we don't realize that we need to get out or even want to get out Whereas our white counterparts, they have had life easy. So the minute something comes up, they're like, oh, I got to leave this earth. This ain't for me. Whereas we like, oh, I've been broke before. Oh, poverty, like whatever. You know, like I slept on the floor of my grandma house with all my cousins before. Like, so these things don't, we don't know that they bother us. Um, but there is a um, hypothesis or a theory called um, John Henryism. And so it, it's about how we cope with uh, psychosocial stressors um, by working harder or believing that we gotta be better. Um, John, Henry, John, sorry, John Henry was a like, this is like a folklore 1800s kind of thing where he was a steel driver and he, was like put into a competition with this, this steam powered train, right? And John Henry won the competition of like who could go the fastest and uh, between him and the machine. However, the stress of his overwork um, ultimately killed him at the end of the competition. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what we're seeing um, with, you know, our, our black women is that this strong independent black woman um, thing that has been given to us, whereas we're told that things can't hurt, things shouldn't bother us, we got to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and keep going. Um, it has a long um, connection to slavery because, as we know, on plantations, um, women ended up, or Black women ended up being like matriarchs simply because there was no male. Um, males were taken and sold right. to other 
plantations and we had to be the ones to keep the family together. We had to be the ones that were strong and say, you know, it's going to be all right and stuff like that. And so now, boom, put us in 2022. We're still doing this. We're still, when every black male is killed on the streets, it's us who are marching. It's us who are explaining to the children why daddy isn't coming home. Anytime a male is put in prison for whatever reason, um, it is us who is explaining to the kids why daddy isn't coming home. It's us who was getting that second job. It's us who is telling our homegirls like, girl, you knew he wasn't nothing to begin with. Like, but Mm -hmm. you can't give up. You can't lay down because you got kids to live for. You got to still support your mama. You still got to, you know, take care of your auntie's kids who haven't been doing too well, or, you know, your sister or your brother's kids, because they baby mama crazy or, you know, whatever. And so we, um, we, we have this belief and that, that we can't tell other people what's going on. So it's more of a, um, a system change that needs to happen in that we normalize black girls not feeling okay or we normalize that you know black girl magic is a thing but sometimes my crown slips and I need somebody else to be like come on sis like I'm gonna hold you up you know it's we don't have to save ourselves basically Mm -hmm. um and you know stop ignoring heartache and pain and being real with each other, like, girl, when, when my man left me, I cried for three days straight, you know, instead of doing the, oh, it's all right, keep it going, keep it pushing, like, um, you know, you, you could be a strong, strong woman, being strong doesn't mean I don't have weak moments, you mm-hmm. know, it, one isn't present without the other, or I should say one, they aren't mutually exclusive, you know, like, in the absence of weakness, there is strength, or in the absence of strength, there is weakness. Because we are, you know, full functioning members of society. Sometimes I don't feel good. And we need to um, reword or reorder the system to where we do look at each other and say, no, you are really going through a hard time. Like, this is painful. What's up? You know, when your friend don't answer the phone, um, I am an advocate. Go to show up at her house. I don't care how mad you're going to be at me. But at the end of the day, if I can help you make it to tomorrow, then we're good. Like I tell my clients, like, you got to be honest with the people around you. Even the fact that like, can any of us really talk about or say how many times we saw our mother cry? Like, I know I only saw my mom cry in church. I'd, I've never seen my mom cry, you know, because something was happening. And I grew up thinking black women don't cry, you know? And I don't think that's what she meant to teach me or meant to show me, but we have this thing where we don't teach our children about emotions and that if I'm sad, I can't let my kids see me be sad or I can't let my kids see me be upset. How do you learn how to deal with those feelings if you've never seen um, no one deal with those feelings? And so, yes, uh, I think that we have to kind of model appropriate behavior within our community. And what I mean by that is, like you said, you you never saw your mom um, cry, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me as a mother um, of a, you know, a tween, uh, I would say, because she, she thinks she's a teen, but not quite, um, <laughs> of a tween, you know, African-American girl, something that 
I think that I'm more aware of is that I have to model appropriate behavior. What I mean by that, it's not just not doing bad things, right? Mm -hmm. But also I want her to see me be vulnerable. You know, mm -hmm. I want her to see me express my feelings. I want her to see me deal with difficult things appropriately. Um, I even want her to see me, you know, at my weak points because I don't want her to feel that you have to always be this superwoman. Like I don't have it figured out all the time, you know? Right. Um, and there's sometimes that I have to call in reinforcements. That's why I'm so, 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 so blessed and thankful for my village because I have a lot of women around me that number one, have relationship with me and to support me. And that's something that I think is very important, especially when we start talking about um, suicide and being um, that village and that community for our sister friends is that you can't be a community without relationship. And so I think that if we really want to help each other, we have to be in relationship, which means you have to know your friends. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you're gonna know when something is off. Right. And that's right. where there's safety at. Whereas if you're a stranger, if you're just, you know, um, somebody that I may talk to here and there, yeah, I'm probably not going to be transparent with you. I'm probably not going to call you and let you know, you know, at my low points that maybe I need some type of support or some counseling or, you know, right. somebody to just talk to. So I think that we have to do better as sisters, um, yeah. sister friends, uh, being in community and really being concerned about each other and having those relationships. Let's right. work on building that foundation of trust and create that safe space so that right. when we are dealing with life challenges, it isn't like this foreign thing to be able to, to reach out, right? right. Because right. we've already established that. So I think modeling that behavior to our children, but also within our community of just being, really being intentional mm -hmm. about being in relationship with each other. And I think if we can do those things, then that'll start a good, or at least lay a foundation for us to then have those other you know, more um, necessary, I would say, conversations because suicide is very real. Um, mm -hmm. Mental health is very real. Um, I know functional people and I know dysfunctional people. Right. And I'll be honest, the people that I know that are functional are highly intelligent. You know, mm -hmm. these are not people that you would even know that they have, you know, day-to-day -day challenges, but because I have relationship with them, and yep. they share things with me privately and safely, then, you know, I'm able to try my best to either refer them out or give them resources or, you know, sometimes just be a listening ear. So I think that's something that we have to talk about is really being intentional about creating that safe space within community and being concerned about each other. And right. I can say firsthand, I've been a recipient of that and I've helped others as well because my friends know me, like they know my behavior. <laughs> They right. know my personality. And so when I fall off, 99% of the time, somebody's going to call me and be like, okay, what's up? <laughs> like, right, right. And like, and so I'm, I'm blessed that my best friend is also a therapist. So it's, it's really easy for me and her to, you know, go back and forth with a lot of stuff. But I, like, I know when she's not 100, right? And I'm going to give you them one or two days to be quiet and not, you know, want to talk to nobody. Cause we all, like Monica said, it's just one of them days. Right. But after a week or so sis, what's up, do I need to pull up? Like, do I need to show up? What's, what's good? Because, you know, 
and and that's the that's the thing of not only understanding when your friend is off but being able to get them help so i tell people all the time don't tell somebody they need help take them to help or give them the resources that's do i need to call with you do i need to i'll go to the first appointment with you and i'll sit in the waiting room you know mm-hmm. um a lot of my clients like i tell them if I see you in public, I'm not going to acknowledge you, you know, because of HIPAA and things like that. And I can tell you each and every one of them, anytime I've seen them in public, this is my therapist, this is my doctor, she helped me, da 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 And but it, it's funny because, you know, but they're, they're being real and they're being transparent because somebody around them or an earshot of them is going, oh, damn, if she can see her therapist and, and be okay, or, you know, like, oh, is this what a therapist looks like? Like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's not as scary as I was thinking. Mm-hmm. You know? So modeling that behavior, even though their modeling is usually like in the middle of a concert or something, it's always <laughs> like, yes, yes, okay, okay. Yes, I am, but let me finish this. Right, right here. Finish this. I tell them all the time, I'm somewhere between knuck if you buck and praise is what I do. So right now you catching me on the knuck if you buck side. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so you know modeling that uh, that that behavior is is real being vulnerable is real so that then your daughter knows that oh when I don't feel good I can go to my mama and I can get results you know um or this is what it looks like for a friendship group you know so modeling those uh, I call them you know you know, in in psych, we don't use good and bad. We use adaptive and maladaptive, but, you know, those adaptive behaviors so that, you know, this tween can go to mommy for answers or mom, because, you know, don't don't call you mommy at that age no more, but they can go to mom for answers instead of a homegirl in sixth period. Like, you know, I'm glad you feel comfortable talking to your homegirl, but she don't have no experiences. Like, you better come talk to mommy, come talk to auntie, you know, guy, mommy, whoever it is. Um, But you have to model, you know, those those behaviors so they're comfortable doing that. And then you end up with an adult woman who's comfortable um, going to others for support and stuff like that. And I think probably one of the the last um, questions that I have is, we actually read a book, um, I guess it's been two years now, Brandy? I guess, yeah, maybe two years ago. Um, Thank you, cousin P, shout out to P, um, where (laughs) during our book club, where the title of the book was called Drop the Ball, right? And it completely changed my life to be quite honest because I was one of those women um who really was overworking um I was just out of control to be honest you know I was overextending myself I was stressed out the list goes on and on and on and I think a lot of it had to do with because I did not know that I had unrealistic unrealistic expectations on myself for me it was my norm Okay. You know, I grew up in a home where all I know is my mama worked. I ain't never seen my mama not work. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was functional, somebody who just always overextended herself, you know, whether it was through work, whether it was home, whether it was church, she just was always doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I grew up with that as a norm. So as an adult, I naturally followed suit, you know? Like every moment of my life had to be accounted for, or I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm 
right? And so it got to a point to where I remember we were reading, we were reading that book. I was like, oh, you can outsource that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, there's something called community. Like I could tell my homegirl, can you go do X, Y, and Z for me? And that's cool. Okay. You know, oh, I don't have to, to do that all the time. Like, it's, it sounds so simple and it's funny now that I think about it, but in the moment, it's like, it was so foreign to me. And it wasn't until I was presented with an alternate way of living that my thinking changed. And so for my audience, it's so important for me that we kind of touch bases on, you don't gotta be everything all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're capable, because I think automatically we feel like the only way you can outsource something or the only way you can ask for assistance is if you can't do it. And it's like, no, I can do it, but do I need to do it? Mm-hmm. Like, does this thing demand me doing it right now? Or would it be better for me to maybe spend this hour doing nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because that'll be more beneficial to me for the next eight hours to spend one hour doing nothing right. um, and stop burning myself from both ends and maybe then go ask somebody else to do this or maybe, you know, does it need to be done at all? And so can we just kind of just talk about changing the mindset Mm-hmm. Um, especially within our, when our with, within our community, since most of us have you know parents who modeled that behavior, always just overworking, always yeah. having to be doing something. Like, why can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, so it, it's about um, learning yourself, right, and learning what you believe. If I don't take the time to dispel old or um, inaccurate beliefs. I'm going to continue to behave in ways that don't really align with my goals. So I have to learn my definition of success and work towards that. I have to learn what my life goals are and work towards those. Um, If I'm doing this for someone else, um, I'm always going to be unhappy because excellence varies and none of us really drop balls. We just have different goalposts, right? But I have to understand that, you know, Brandy's goal is Brandy's goal. And just because I didn't do what Brandy did doesn't make mine worthless. It's just different. Um, they have this whole, um, thing. It's, it's a group of girls. They're called, they do the nap ministry and the nap ministry is just basically being able to stop and take a nap and just like restorative healing through naps. Um, I am a subscribing member. Like I will take a nap in a minute, but, um, (laughs) I am a part of it. Girl, they have a whole website, everything. They do um, all sorts of like stuff on their website about like the the power of rest and like how we all, and it's a black girl thing. I follow a lot of stuff that centers on um, and are for black and brown bodies because I am a black body and (laughs) they have the, the, our counterparts have their own communities and everything that's dedicated to them, even though it doesn't say quote unquote white. Um, but we know if we're in their spaces, it's for them. But, um, and so, yeah, being able to like self-care, like that is from day one, when you do an intake with me, I'm all about like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? What is it that you do that when, when I engage in this behavior, I am not waiting to exhale. I am actually inhaling, exhaling, being in the moment, experiencing this moment of bliss and like quiet or chaos, whatever it is that that's your 
um, that that's your time. Um, because self-care, we, we often don't engage in it because we're so busy taking care of kids, taking care of dogs, taking care of husbands, taking care of boyfriends, taking care of girlfriends, whatever it is. Um, but we don't see the power of like self-care. And so I have my clients build a self-care plan. And at the end of every session, we're talking about, so what are you doing this week? And what are you doing this week to take care of you? Um, and if you can't give me an answer, then I know we have not hit our goal this week because you have to be actively taking care of yourself. Um, it's kind of like if you got um, cut, right? And you just leave that cut to do what it does and you don't tend to it, you don't apply no you know, neosporin or whatever it is on it, you don't go get stitches, whatever it is, that cut's gonna get infected and then that infection is gonna spread throughout the body. And now you have a whole different problem. And so I help them see um, self-care in that way of you have to know what your goals are. You have to know what your beliefs are and you have to work towards those and be intentional about doing such because if not, that infection is gonna spread throughout and now your relationships are in jeopardy your parenting is in jeopardy, your job is in jeopardy, like, you know, every asset uh, or aspect uh, or wait, no, every facet of your life um, is affected by, you know, just the simple act of not taking care of you. Um, so yeah, self-care, hashtag important always. Well, I think that's a good place to end because. <laughs> but of course, so now I have to, I have to ask you all, what are you doing this week to take care of you? We have to model this appropriate behavior that we've been talking about um, yes. this whole time. So what are, what are we doing, ladies? You know what? I've been on the nap ministry. All right. Um, look, look <laughs> I, I, I've been on this nap ministry, believe it or not. Um, and this is not a plug, but <laughs> I was someone who suffered from I like my sleep has been horrible probably for the past two, two and a half years. Okay. And um, I've tried different techniques, different methods or whatever. But recently a friend of mine, someone in my community said, girl, try, you need to try a different pillow. I don't know why I've never thought about changing my pillows. Like, like <laughs> something so simple. And she sent right. me a link. She sent me a link and I said, okay, these are expensive, but I'm gonna try, I'll try anything at this point. Do you know, I have probably had most sleep in the past two weeks and I've had probably in the past two years. I mean, my sleep has changed. So right now my self-care is catching up on all my Z's. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's how we, you know, that's how you stay looking young and feeling good. So right. sleep on sis, sleep on. <laughs> ministry for the win. <laughs> for, for me is definitely having my dance parties like okay I'll I be catching them on Instagram I see you sis and you know the singing is just you know I'm not gonna even give the audience all of that but yes the dancing yeah. the oh. dancing for me is like super self-care I turn music on especially if it's like a stressful day mm -hmm. I just need a moment to just enjoy me get in the mirror and just dance yep to them 99s and 2000s okay Okay, and and knees like Megan, don't play with her. I'm, yeah, you know, and they they really rejuvenating themselves. So I'm I'm here for them. What they say, health is wealth, but movement is also health. So yeah. oh yeah, if, if you're not you know backing it up, then it's gonna 
it's going it's, yeah, to disintegrate and I can't let it do that so right I'm still trying to get me a husband out here so I gotta be do these moves right I'm I'm tired of being independent <laughs> right I don't want it <laughs> right I wish my mom had a raised uh Instagram scammer or something but <laughs> at this point they are winning like right. I'm paying the mortgage by myself right what is this I want to be submissive. I want to listen. Right. I can listen. I promise you I can. Hey, let me show you. <laughs> no, wait. There used to be that meme and it said, I'm going to shut up for real this time. Like, I'm right. going to sit down and right. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> this the year. I'm going I'm to tackle it this year. All facts. I've been working on it. Just just listening. Right. You. you said you want me to do what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you so, 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 so much um, for one, for your, your just being candid, you know, and for being willing to come on and, and share your expertise with us. You know, I think that we are very, very fortunate to have a great community of women that are not only knowledgeable, but that also have a heart to serve, you know, because it's one thing to have the information for yourself. It's another thing to share it um, and to share it, share it voluntarily. So I really want to say thank you on behalf of all of our listening audience, the information that you share today, definitely I will implement um, it to my life. I'll share it with, you know, the people that are in my circle, but also for our audience. I mean, the conversation will continue. Our health series has been absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I just believe that the information is priceless, you know, and I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to share it with our audience. So again, thank you so, so much for being willing to come on and to our audience, please continue to share this podcast with your sister friends. Again, if it's not for you, um, it may be for somebody within your immediate circle. So please share this information and continue to follow us because the conversation will continue. Thank you for listening to It's the Discussion from me. Hopefully you are leaving here seen and enlightened. If so, please share, like, and invite others to this safe place. Until next time.